0: So my guest Paul stated Catholicism as his most important value, and to be honest, that kind of threw me for a loop at first. I hadn't heard that before as a value, and it it seemed like such a specific thing to pick. So much so that I kind of wondered, like, does he understand the point of my question? But pretty quickly, his thoughtful approach and explanation kind of got rid of those concerns. But if I'm being honest, I did then assume that this is probably going to be a pretty closed-minded discussion, right? This might be one of those where it even gets a little combative because the other person is so rooted in their beliefs. And I could say I'm not proud of it, but, but I guess I have a subconscious bias that kicks in. When I hear someone say that Catholicism is the most important thing in their life, I have a perception of what that person must be like. Um, Paul's exact words and, and kind of his beliefs were that he is dedicated to living the simplicity and humility of life, gospel and prayer, all rooted in the secular Franciscan tradition. And I hadn't heard of the secular Franciscan tradition before this conversation, but again, it all sounded very rigid to me. But sometimes, most of the time, I would say it's a beautiful thing to be wrong. And I was wrong in this case. Paul is definitely a firm believer in Catholic faith and the gospel does guide his life and all those things, but there is very little, if any, rigidity in in any of it. Paul believes faith is an evolutionary process, something that's kind of ever-changing and growing, and that to have true faith, it has to be tested. It has to be questioned. And maybe most important of all, He believes kind of his duty as a man of faith is to read the gospel and try to understand the underlying essence of what the words are actually trying to teach us, which always blows my mind because that seems like, of course, what else would you do but then to try and understand what does this actually mean? But in today's world, that's almost a radical or blasphemous view. We're supposed to just take the literal words and everything that we're told by institutions or books and assume that it's exactly the way that we're told they're meant to be. Um, but for Paul, he believes God is, is more than capable and almost encouraging of us to take this approach. We should be questioning. We should be evolving our relationship with faith. And I'll say, right, like once someone gives me permission to question and test their beliefs, I, I believe that's where the concept of this show really shines. The combination of someone you know, being thoughtful and having deeper beliefs, but also being open and curious is kind of magical for me. So Paul and I spent much of this conversation really going back and forth, um, trying to make sense of Catholicism, humanity, and the world we live in. We talked about things like, what role does authenticity play in religious practice? What are the limits or, or concerns we should have about God, if any? We talked about free will. We talked about the purpose of human suffering. We talked about a lot of awesome stuff. <laughs> and I'll say, it will never cease to amaze me how much we can learn when we just get out of our own way, Push our ego, our biases, and beliefs aside, and just have a genuine and open conversation with someone. And I'm really grateful that I got to do that with Paul. So, with that, let's get into the episode. All right, Paul, thanks so much for being here. It's like to talk to you today. Um, as everyone knows, I like to just jump right into it, so I will with that first question of what's the value that's most important to you? Oh, it was an interesting question because after I said I would
1: come on the podcast, I thought. Okay, now, what what do I come up with? what do I what do I use? And I kind of had all different things I thought about. And you know, I thought about what uh, was early in my life, what kind of things drove me later in my life, and you know, what we could talk about all those fun things later. And what at this point in time is is kind of um, kind of drawing me. And I looked at the overall picture and came to the conclusion there is one thread. That goes through all of the stuff that I've I've done in my life, and that thread is Catholicism. Hmm.
0: So that's I, that. If I you're, that's what I would use. So, firstly, I think the uh, the the approach to it. I love laying out the approach like that and the thoughtfulness <laughs> of it. I think most people are thoughtful when they when they do it, but I I love hearing it because I'm fascinated <laughs> by how people think. So I love that. Firstly, but talk to me a little bit about that. How, how, what do you think it is? We can go a lot of different directions from here, and I'm sure we will. Yeah, whatever. But. What is it about Catholicism that you think either has kind of you've been pulled towards or pulled it towards you? However, I guess you see it. What what do you think it was about that? um,
1: I think, you know, throughout my childhood, I was obviously I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic schools and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, But it was always an important part of, of my life, even as a little kid. You know, I can remember that was way before things are d- the way they're done now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, things that the family did, getting to mass, all this kind of fun stuff. Um, and to make it even more interesting, when I was 14 years old, um, I thought about uh, that I might want to become a priest. Mm-hmm. And so I ended, I ended up high school and college, going uh, through high school and college in the seminary. Um, after I graduated from from college, i was being led in a different direction um so i ended up getting married i have daughter uh two granddaughters and a great granddaughter besides a wife um (laughs) um, and that that i mean it it was like it's it's been a constant thing in my life because um i i worked for for a while as a director of religious education i worked for a for quite a while as uh, a youth minister running a, a children's camp run by the diocese here. Um, and, uh, I, I went and <laughs> went back to school and became a nurse. Um, so that was the only thing outside of the church that I've ever done, but I did that for 30 years. Um, I did, um, uh, you know, one of the things you, you may talk about, uh, eventually is the, the vow of nonviolence that I took, which is a very much within the, the Catholic field. And now in my, old age of 71 um i've recently become a member of the secular franciscan order so i th- my whole life has really been characterized by things that are revolving around the church part of the church and and the the whole
0: outlook and mindset of the church huh. well i appreciate that and and you know what's interesting about it is let's let's go right into it is sure. that there's a part of me, if I'm being totally honest, for sure, and, and probably a lot of people, maybe some more so, that hear something like that and they're and they're kind of blown away, like, "Wow, I can't believe the church is such a huge Catholicism in particular, right?" I haven't had that mentioned on the show right. before. I've had faith and other things, so certainly right. in that vein. But um, I think for a lot of people, they would say that's that's surprising somewhat. And what's interesting about that and fascinating is from 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 the perspective is which you see it, which very well might be the actual perspective. Um, it's almost like, well, of course it is. Like, if it's if it's all right. true, and again, we could debate if people what they believe. But let's just right, say exactly. that's all true. There is a God in the sky, and, and the gospel, and the doctrine, and the things you're following are exactly what this world was intended and designed for. Well, then it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. what you're doing and why it's so important. Is that <laughs> how you see it? You think um, it's, you've embodied it in that way.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know that i would take it as far as you know the reference to the the world the way the world should work okay it's the way i should work okay and that's it's the way i you know i feel what what speaks to me can Um, i ask on that paul just because i think it's interesting
0: and i I don't want to take us off a sidetrack if it's not but i think that's that's an interesting distinction you made there and i'm curious to explore it in in a genuine way um I, I think I know why you said that because we should, people should believe what they want to believe and have their right. own views. And you're not trying to force anything on anybody. Yeah. But is there not something implicit in the fact that you obviously believe it for yourself, that if that is true, there is a sense. And, and I say this in the least judgmental way possible that right. people should be doing that. Right. There is some sense of that. Right. In some ways. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle too, yeah. you know, and there's a this certain, I mean, I think sometimes we get so caught up in all the peripheral stuff mm. Um, that we, we miss like the true, the true basic meaning. And mm-hmm. you get people down to true basic meaning. And there's not a lot of difference in the way somebody in my position looks at something, the way uh, other, other faith traditions mm-hmm. look at the world, look at, at what's going on is it cultural? Yeah, it is. You know, there's a culture, a big cultural part of that um, as well as, you know, just a, a,
0: a faith of what what you actually believe, you know, Perfect. and it makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, that's a good distinction. I'm glad you mentioned it. So, so for you, it's really about the essence of what Catholicism is and stands right. for. So sorry, right. I, I stopped you in the middle of that answer. So maybe it's okay. is that it's, it's, is it the gospel ultimately? Is it yeah. really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about that, of how that, Ultimately, I guess drives a lot of your life, right? That drives. Oh, yeah, you make. <laughs>
1: obviously, um, <laughs> especially especially now as a Franciscan, you know, the the, the entire Franciscan um, philosophy is based on on living the gospel. Now, people go. Crazy about that sometimes because there's so many misinterpretations of what's being said there and things that, uh, you know, people come up with the, these convenient answers and things that are not even really there that they say are there. But I mean, basically, if you want to look, if, if you looked at what part of the gospel um, really drives me. It's going to be the Beatitudes is what I would, would jump right in with, um, which is, you know, the whole thing, how it's explained. You know, I, I, I'm i not a fundamentalist in any way, shape or form. Um, You know, that's just not me. I, that, you know, my way of looking at the gospel is, is what does it mean? What's it saying? You know, uh, what's the, the lessons that are coming out that I should be doing um, that speak to me? you know, especially when you get into lots of different areas. And then I think we sometimes need to understand what is happening, what's being said, you know, why a particular author is explaining something in a certain way, why he's putting certain words into the mouth of Jesus um, and all those kinds of things. And a lot of times we miss that whole piece, you know, of, of understanding, I guess. Is how, a, how do you say how do you
0: it. think about that in terms of, because there's um there's a subjectivity to how you try and determine the objective message of the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Is maybe the right way to put it. There's certain people that would subjectively look at some of the same words you're looking at and draw different conclusions and see, right? There's different sex and all those things. Yeah. How do you think about that piece of it? Like how is it, is it more personal for you where you say that's, that's okay. That's right for them. And that's what they should do. Or is it more, actually you're seeing it away, or maybe not you in particular, but you, yeah, yeah. you and the, the faith you have always seeing it in a way that actually is more accurate. I don't
1: know that it's more accurate. I, I can't, I can't ever say that it's more accurate because, you know, it, it's, um, there's, there's usually not a lot of difference in the way people see certain things in scripture. Um, unless you get into the very, very fundamentalistic, um, People, folks, you know, who, you know, every word that's in there is, you know, is quote unquote gospel. <laughs> and that's the way, that's the way it has to be. And that's what it is. You know, my essentially what I find many times in in that kind of a philosophy is most of the things that they talk about as being in the gospel are not there at all. Huh. You know, it's not even there. You know, it's never mentioned, you know. Um, but, um, you know, I, we all think and hear things in our own way hmm. um and i firmly believe that we think and we hear things the way we're intended to think and hear them you know uh, so for me in my situation i hear st- things in a certain way certain things speak to me um and maybe for somebody else it's a, it's a different way you know uh, you know for for somebody who who follows uh uh, the islamic faith they're hearing things differently but i can also hear things in in their scriptures yep and i think they can hear things in in what what i read you know and even you know you get to where people start interpreting stories and everything in the in the scriptures and I mean, you could have a field day with that sometimes, you know, of what does this actually mean? You know, I'm very famous for my my saying when I was working with kids, I I would always I used I love to tell stories and I would always tell stories and I would say, you know, my my line always was all stories are true. And some of them actually happen, you know. And <laughs> I good. I can apply that to a lot sure. of stuff in in scriptures. Yeah. What are they trying to say? What what's the, what are they putting in in the words of Jesus and the words and the words of that are all around it of
0: what is actually being said? Yeah. You know? and, and and what I love about that is implicit in that, as you're explaining it, is authenticity and and mm-hmm. that, and that relationship between the authentic you, Paul, or me, Terry, or whoever, and God. Because I think that's something right. that gets messy in people's heads sometimes of, am I allowed to be my own authentic self? But then there's a God and there's these rules and you're kind of marrying those two things in a way that feels right for both. I'm curious, right. I can't help but think as you're explaining it, like that that interpretation of it and that view of it where you hear what you're meant to hear, how does right and wrong or good and evil fit into that? And, and I mean that you know quite literally, as do, is there a belief that people ever actually intentionally do something wrong? Or is it that they just misinterpreted the message, it got cloudy somehow, right? If, if the thought is that everything mm-hmm. they hear, they heard it for that reason, you know? How do you think about that? Um, people do do intentionally wrong things, things wrong intentionally.
1: Um, the 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 interesting part about the whole thing, and, and I've had many different discussions about it, is, you know, one of the things that that we all believe, or that, you know, within Catholicism we believe, we have we have a free will we can choose you know god doesn't impose you know it's not like the the ancient um greek gods who are looking there with all their uh you know puppeting people to do things what they want to do you know i can i can choose what i want to do you know and if if i choose one way that's a way that i chose you know it's not a I don't know if that's answering your question. No, it is. It's, but... it, well, I'm,
0: I'm debating to go philosophical, like, deep philosophical, and I think let's okay. just go there. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> what is the source of that choosing, though, is what I often find myself wondering, right? And I, and I think this ties back to what we were just talking about with authenticity. If we are each our own, if, if we've kind of been given this, like we didn't choose it, as far as I know. I, I, I let me know, honestly, if if the, if it's a different view of it, but... I didn't choose to be who I am and hear the gospel or anything the way that I'm hearing it. Right. In the spirit that we Mm -hmm. all hear it differently. So whatever conclusions or actions I eventually take downstream of that are all influenced by that. So you can make an argument that at its source, it was kind of predetermined in that way, because I didn't, now I don't, I I don't think that's necessarily the way that you see it. And I don't know if I even fully believe that, but how do you think about that at all?
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't find things to be predetermined at all. Okay. Um, You know uh, it's it's, I'm trying to think of how, what's a good way to, to try and explain it? Because words begin to fail. Words you do, they do. I get that. Um, I've learned you know, that over doing this it's not, it's not like there's something genetic that you have to, that determines, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do the other thing. I think when you get into certain things, and you talk about people who've made choices that objectively, or even subjectively, you would see as being wrong or being evil, um maybe that's a result of other things that have happened in their lives mm-hmm. that um have hit them in different ways it's sort of like asteroids hitting a, yep. hitting a planet yep. um all hitting in a different way having different different results um now does that mean people can't can change or can't change that of course they can they can change it however they want to mm-hmm. um you know um i think that there is a um, there is there is and you can define pretty well the idea of good and the idea of good again going back to to scriptures is how do you treat each other you know that's yeah. good you know
0: and you know when you're not treating somebody right well, know, i think i think sometimes that can be fuzzy for some people maybe it shouldn't but oh, it, yeah it could be but i think it ties back to you because in many ways, what we're saying is like, even that you said, right, we have the ability to change, we have the ability to take agency and make decisions. Mm-hmm. To that to that original question, it's, but what's the source of deciding I should change? And in some ways, I guess it goes back to the first question, which is what's the value? What do you actually think is most important in life? Because you're going to optimize for that. And you're going to change because right. if you're not living in alignment with that, and I guess that comes back to your value, which is Catholicism, right? In, in your right. mind, it's if I'm living in alignment with that, then right. I'm on the right track. If I'm not, then that's the yeah. source of me changing it. Which then I think if you, what I like to do in the show is kind of follow the thread. Go ahead. There's, there's the, the next step in that thread is you gaining confidence to say, I believe Catholicism isn't the right way to go. That's what I right. should be doing, To be taking all the actions you've taken. How did you gain that confidence? Was that implicit? Was that truly faith in the way that it is where you just made a decision to say, I will believe? Or was there proof to you in some way? I, I think we make decisions throughout our lives
1: as to as to where we're going and what we're doing. Um, you know, I could say that a lot of early influence obviously came from my family, from my parents, and the things that that they believe, the things that they um, that they taught. There does come a time in your life when you have to say, yeah, this is for me, mm. and make that choice. You know, you can go either way with it. Um, you got it, and I think sometimes it's it's choices on top of choices on top of choices on top of choices, and you know sometimes I think you even have to have to figure out um, and an experience um, going away. I suppose is a good way to say it. You know, I think anybody who says that they've never um, been part of a faith community and have never questioned it i think they're probably i don't want to judge but they're probably lying uh you know i i know even for myself there was a period of about two or three years when i was angry about something and it was something to do with the church and for two or three years i wanted absolutely nothing to do with the church and that wasn't that long ago it's Mm -hmm. not like when i was 12 or 14 that was as an adult, and. Yet then something speaks to you and it brings you back and you begin to understand more Mm -hmm. and you begin to understand what it is that forms you as who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are those choices. I think that
0: you make all the time, all the time. It's such an evolution, the way you're explaining, which again, I think that's another one of those things where at least I personally, I don't want to speak for others. I don't know that I thought about that enough when it comes to faith and a relationship with God or Mm -hmm. spirituality, whatever, whatever it might be, that it is a dynamic evolving thing um i think you know we could talk about this at nauseam it's almost cliche at this point there are some deeply religious people or institutions that do make it very rigid and it does seem like it is not an evolution it's you do this and right. that's it right. there's no question there's no discussion there's not even considering anything else kind of where you were before with some of the you know fundamental views of it um and i think that gets the overall view of it gets tainted by that where people think of that more and i think viewing it more as an evolution is so much more um tangible for people to make it something It is, interesting you know
1: i i I even look in terms of of people that i know um within catholicism um it's it's a growing experience for many people which is one of the things that drives me crazy sometimes for many people the faith and what they practice today is what they practiced when they were eight years old Mm. and it's it hasn't grown at all from there, and so when you have that eight-year-old faith, if anything goes haywire or goes, you know, uh, differently than you think it should, it's like, oh wait, wait a minute, no, I can't do that. I got to go back to my to my eight-year-old because I'm comfortable there, uh, and I don't find faith in any respect to be that comfortable kind
0: of thing. Do it's you- a constant looking. So do you? I agree with that. I think that's right, and there's an interesting thought about that. But before we go there, do do you? I'm sure you've had conversations with people that don't see it that way. They do, even if they're not necessarily fundamentalists, they just see it much more rigid and strict. It's it's more it's more cut and dry of what should be done and how how the relationship should be. Is there anything to that? I mean, it's certainly a at least from what I said, it's a possibility. That could be actually how it's intended to be. But um, is there anything about those people that you understand of why maybe they're getting it wrong if they are, or just how there's that disconnect between how you see it and they see it? Uh, I
1: think uh, if I had to think of how somebody would look at it, it's comfortable. Just comfortable. Even as people, even as adults and people in the world, uh, you know, we don't want it look at things that challenge us we want to look at things that are comfortable and sometimes it's just you know it's easier just to stay comfortable rather than to begin to question which we're always particularly catholicism a lot of times very reticent to question anything you know it's like we tend to be you know that that kind of kind of way but if you don't ask those questions your faith stays back as an eight-year-old Mm-hmm. and when you get to be 70 it's not going to mean a whole lot to you
0: mm. it's so it's so interesting um to think of it to think of it that way and i think you know for a lot of people and i, and I say this with full respect and, and hopefully you understand what i mean mm. by this part of the reason they they embody that view of religion is because they, even god in general is they need comfort in their life the world is yeah. so complex and they're so infinite and you there's something about that comfort of something simple to believe. Again, no disrespect that there's a person in the sky who's kind of driving and dictating this thing. That's the whole reason they subscribe to religion to begin with. So to move away from that is almost like it defeats the whole purpose of it. Now that's I'm saying. There's some people that probably yeah. think that. I'm not saying everybody views it that way. Right, any- right, right. And I'm not even necessarily judging those people. I get it. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's interesting because you're bringing it more to. It's not. It, it there's not necessarily there's a comfort in it, but there's not. There's certainty in it, but there's not. There's not the certainty you would normally expect from religion, which is, oh, these are the answers of what the world is. Exactly. And that's a really interesting take on it.
1: Exactly. And you could you can look at, uh, for example, look at look at the Beatitudes the way they are recorded in the in the Gospels. If you can read the Beatitudes and not feel challenged by those, you are not reading them correctly Mm. because they're meant to be a challenge. You know they're not meant to be. Oh yeah, I'm good. You know I am I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, and there's lots of other examples where where that kind of thing is just you know, in the words of Jesus, just thrown out. You know, it's it's not that's not right. Mm. You know, you have to be challenged by what you read, by what you what what you practice, um, and to the point of you know sometimes where you could say, Jesus, is this real. And not be afraid to ask that question. Is that not yeah.
0: offensive to God, though? Sometimes is that no. that's the view a lot. I, I don't think, think some people think. Right? I don't think it is. I, I mean, wouldn't think so. I. It's but. like
1: you know, I, I, you talk to people and they say, um, you know, geez, I, I I'm really angry that this happened, and I'm really angry at God. And then I then they feel guilty. Then I feel guilty hmm. about it. And how should I do that? And my response usually is, God's big enough; He can take it. <laughs> don't be afraid. be angry you know i i've done it you know i I get upset about things and it's like what the heck are you doing to me here (laughs) you know what's going on and you know that's that's not a bad thing is Mm. what i'm what i'm trying to say that's not bad it's something you need to do to be an integrated person i suppose is a good way to say it too yeah
0: I, i would even go as far to say um and I think this is where you're going with it for you to actually believe the faith that you believe in to actually believe it, you have to go through that process. If yeah, you have, it, I think so, then you can't truly believe it. You, you just can't, you couldn't, you can't know for sure. Maybe only, yeah. You know. yeah. It's tough yeah. To, to know for sure that you you know feel that good about it. And I think maybe to your point, that's a scary thing for a lot of people. Maybe some it people is. are worried that you go through that questioning and where does that, where do I end up? Right. And, and it's, that's, that can be scary. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it
1: works out, you come right back around to the same
0: circle. Again, sounds like in your case, which, right? Which
1: is oh, what happened with me, yeah. you know, of where is it?
0: What's making me think too is, and, and this this may be the the abstract idea, but I, I've been playing around with this phrase in my head somewhat, because as you might imagine, I think about this stuff a lot, um, <laughs> that you get the God that you choose. And again, I say all this without any disrespect. This is just us kind of, I think in the spirit that God would want, as you were just talking about, I think God would be okay with us exploring these types of things. So what I mean by that is that you get the God you choose. It kind of goes back to what you were saying before about we hear what we're meant to hear. Um, the way you're explaining faith and religion and all this, it's almost as if you try and boil it down to its very essence of what what is what does it mean to really question myself in life and try and live in accordance of what I think is most important. What is the best way to live? What are the key virtues that matter most? Like that's that's what that's what it is, right? Right. And for each individual person, they may not call it religion. They may not call it God because they think of it as God has to be follow exactly what's in this book. In some ways, that's what most people are doing. They're making some yeah. determination about what's most important to life. And then they get the God, quote unquote, they get the world that they choose because then that's how they live. And that's the framework that they do everything. And by that, by that explanation, I feel as if I might be as religious as you are. And I just use a different word to explain it. And sure. again, these are things that we hear all the time. It's kind of cliche, but to hear it in long form like this, it makes more sense to me than it normally would when I think about it. Is that kind of For, where your head's at? Yeah. I, yeah. Cause uh, you know,
1: I, I'm not sure about the phrase, uh, to be honest, the phrase of you get the God that you. Yeah. That's kind of a kitchen you know, little thing. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's not quite what I would say, but yeah. um, I think that God is, is certainly big enough to be able to encompass all of that um no matter where it's coming from you know we 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 tend to have i don't want to get off on a tangent but we tend to have this this vision of who and what god is and i think the minute we begin to think that we know what god is is when god says ha, ha, ha i got you you know and now i'm going to really show you you know now now Put this in your pipe and smoke it, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I I I think we we make that mistake too. Yeah. I mean, we we try to define who God is, and I, I get it. Define... I understand
0: why we want to understand who God we, is. Yeah, sure, we, it's but easier. we just have to accept we can't.
1: Right,
0: you can't. And somebody, you
1: know, says, how would you describe God? I can't. No idea. I can I can describe what I think, but is that what God really is? That's interesting.
0: Is there I anything? Because I, I I've often wondered this, in the way you're you're explaining that is a preemptive answer, but let's assume there is a God. How do we know that God is well-intentioned? How do we know that God is competent, right? And in some ways, those are blasphemous things to say, and I get that. So again, I'm, no, I'm saying them in that open, but in your spirit, what you're saying, you're saying we can never know those answers. So, but how do we know then? Like, maybe there is a God out there, but is there is there implicit in your faith that that God is a good God, that that God yeah. wants what's best for us? Yes. What's What's the source of that? Belief. How, do, how do you know that experience experience
1: Okay. <laughs> you know that's what i have that's what i have experienced that that god is good you know what 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 we live in is good um there's we we all know that there's evil and it's one of those things of if there's evil there has to be good you can't have both you can't have one without the other because it'd be just stupid, you know, it would wouldn't be, be a thing, It would be
0: nothing, yeah, right,
1: it would be yeah. nothing, Um, and I, I think it's just my experience that, you know, personal experience of God in a way that's almost indescribable of what that is, but it's knowing, for me, it's knowing that God is there, and somehow or other, I can't explain it, yeah
0: he, he god cares so that's the cliche which i'm sure you okay heard go ahead and it's worth it and so the 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 hurricane that kills people yes um yep slavery right the way people have been treated throughout human history some of the there's certain people listening that could say my experience tells me this is ugly right holocaust go where you want to go with it what do you say to that it's ugly <laughs> it is ugly why, why does you know? god and, and i i I want to say, why does God allow for that ugliness? And I think the answer is free will. But take that one level no. deeper. No, okay. Yeah, so why does God allow for that? Ugliness? I don't know that God allows. You know, okay.
1: is that part of, of what exists in our world? And, you know, yeah. You know, a hurricane is not something that God creates. I mean, I, not, I shouldn't say it that way. A hurricane is not something that God just all of a sudden says, you know, I'm going to make a hurricane and, and blow these people It's a down. result of God, you know? but not
0: a direct it's
1: a result of, of of what is created and how things have been created it's a pattern it's you know it's what our earth
0: does right
1: you know but if uh, you, if
0: you trace that back to the root and say god created our earth is it a reasonable question to ask why would god create an earth where those where I, i've told this story before in the show but it's the one sure. that comes to mind right now is the most potent one of this i was reading a book maybe a year or so ago and it was about slavery and There was this picture they were explaining the scene where there was a slave auction in america and um the auctioneer was dangling a baby like a a infant baby and the mom was on the ground crying pleading because that was her baby and they sold it off to somebody else And the mother went that type of thing right like why why create a world where that can exist if the option is have a world with that existing or don't have one maybe it's better not to have one at all now obviously that's a dark view the 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 piece that you're missing in yeah. the
1: analogy you just made the piece that seems to me that you're missing is the fact that someone had to make that decision that was not a decision god
0: made so is the thought that god didn't have and again i'm asking this totally generally god didn't have the ability to see that that was going to happen
1: possibly i i can't you know you don't know it because, goes back because, to, we because we don't, don't know, don't know. Yeah. i mean yeah. honestly you yeah. know every time people ask that question and i've been asked that question many times you know um and i and i think you have to be real honest about it mm. you know because you ask that question of why does god allow such and such i have to say i don't know and I, I sit the right there next to you and cry with you yeah. you know i just i can't i'm not god i don't understand and i don't know yeah. you know uh, it's it's um it's one of those interests not interesting but it's one of those things that i think is just real you know that otherwise otherwise we create god in our own image right. and that's not the way it should be we're created in god's image uh, you yeah. know and you know and and we also have this tendency i think even in even in church circles to to look at god in terms of ourselves you know so so sometimes god becomes santa claus because he's got the big white beard mm-hmm. and he gives us all this stuff well that's i don't know that that's what god is you know yeah. I, I i don't know that you can can put him in in a box put god in a box like that because the minute you put god into a box is when you begin to get uh narrower and narrower in your vision and you actually begin restricting what can or should happen and then you get into the problem of okay well i'm i'm here i'm this one little guy here in in, in uh, on the earth and god is mm. somewhere something well what if there's life on five other planets is mm-hmm. god the same way there mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know because i don't think we can ever completely understand what god is
0: that is as far as as i can tell which who cares what i can tell but just (laughs) you and i are talking that's the best answer that can be given right it's it's insufficient and i say that for me right like it is but it's the best answer we can have but but do we have to be consistent then both ways by that i mean if there's things about god we can never understand why would God expect us to implicitly trust him? If if like, why wouldn't there be an understanding or an expectation of, you can never understand exactly what I'm doing. So how could you ever know that I have your best intentions in mind? How could you ever know that I am inherently implicitly good? Do we not have to consider that as well if we can't put God in that box? Because I think what a lot of people do is they agree with you on every aspect of that, but there's one little box to like, but the goodness box, we have to be able to put God in that. Do we? Um. I don't, I'm
1: confused a little bit on how you're defining goodness. There, yep. Uh, You know, what does that, what does that mean? Um, Um, Has our best
0: intentions in mind, maybe?
1: Okay, all right. But even that gets fuzzy, right? Because it becomes that universal principle of love, which anybody who's ever felt love knows that love is an, uh, but describe it. Tell me how you describe love. What is it? You know, and you kind of put in the same, the yeah. same category, you know, I, I in, in listening to to what we're talking about a little bit here, you know, I, I was just thinking about the story of um, of Moses um, in the in the desert before the whole thing with the Israelites and whatever. But that's that particular story where Moses, according to the story, sees the burning bush and he says, you know, he says to God, well, who should I say sent me? And God has an answer. But God's answer has been misinterpreted throughout ages, because you know it's, we've always said it was God was saying God said, "I am who I am." Mm. Wow, talk about something you could think about forever. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> the, if, if if you if you look at how names work, um, especially in in Hebrew times to name something is to own it mm. okay which i'm going to go way off on, on no, what i'm I talking like about going. but like to to name something is to own it that's why you name your child that's why you give you know your child's name you go back to the to the story of creation and what does god say to to the first people but name them who are these other creatures give them a name that means you own it. And when you get to the story of, of Moses, you know, that we all kind of worry and think about all the time, God basically says, it's none of your damn business uh-huh. what my name is, uh-huh. because you cannot name God, because you cannot own God. You know, so God gives an answer, which is kind of interesting in it is again in the in the in the context of the story. God gives an answer which is very interesting because God, according to the scriptures, God answers with with a word which is you know a word that in, in our thinking we can't even deal with because it has no vowels in it. All all God says is is Y H W H. You know we we throw all these Yahweh, vowels right? into it we to say Yahweh, but yeah. well, that's not what what He said. And interestingly, that the the actual word that that is recorded is actually the word for breath. Mm. So breathing in and breathing out. So and, and, you almost know, like I, the I, essence. Like
0: I'm the essence. essence. It's yeah.
1: what it is. I yeah. you know it's you can't define me. You cannot name me. He, because he, I he's... am.
0: You're 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 answering these questions, and I'm not saying this for effect. I, I mean it, like the exact right way, as far as I can see, because it's continuing the thread <laughs> of the conversation and the questions, yeah. and it's thoughtful and it's deep and it's meaningful. And what it makes me but, think is that is the right answer, and and I can I can totally believe and buy that that answer that God gave to Moses in that moment is the best answer that could possibly that he could possibly have given, assuming God's a man, right? right? Best answer he could have given, but even with that. It creates this dilemma for us as humans to say god is giving the best possible answer but within that answer is uncertainty there's this chance because i can never understand it that maybe it's not best however we define best for me to follow what god is saying mm-hmm. and that is the dilemma of life and, and i can understand somebody getting frustrated and, and again you can't say this in the spirit what you said but god why the hell did you do that why did you set it up that way <laughs> but it's a it's a circular it never has an answer
1: let me let me give you a a little different uh, perspective kind of answer on that. Sure. Um, one time I was talking with someone, a, a priest friend, and we were talking about what happens when we die. Okay, and according to you know what 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 we believe, is there's some kind of life after death. Mm-hmm. And we believe and we practice that something will continue on. That what we do here does have consequences later on. Okay. Now, interesting part of that story is what happens if when we get to the point of death, we close our eyes, we go to sleep, and that's it. And there's nothing else. And the, the, the conclusion that, that this priest friend and I came with was that's a possibility mm. it is you know but the other is also a possibility so I'd rather be on that side of the possibility than on the side that says there's nothing and, and act that way and be shocked when there is something
0: yes you know yes. I'd
1: rather you know if, if do,
0: that's making sense it makes perfect sense and the word's not going to be the right word but I'll say it because it's the most direct path do you judge somebody that looks at that decision and says I'd rather bet on the fact that there's nothing and I'm going to live my life differently because maybe they get—I don't know, right? This now gets very subjective. More joy out of life, they experience different things. Mm-hmm. Do you judge somebody in that? I could guess the answer. That's probably no, right? That's their no. I can't that's judge. Their world. Yeah.
1: So the Pope Francis said the same thing many times, and as he's asking questions about a lot of—I mean, about a lot of moral issues yeah, and all yeah. this kind of stuff, his his response and now this is the Pope, you know, who says it's not mine to judge,
0: right? i'm right. not the judge god is all right so last thread i want to go down here which is a, a nice beautiful segue the nonviolence piece and let me frame yes. it in the conversation we're having okay because a risk in the approach of i can never judge somebody else is um there's a, in the quite purest form of the definition there's a tolerance in that of i allow if somebody exploits that if somebody takes advantage of that particularly somebody with your mindset who is so tolerant and open there's a lot of damage that could be done. You pair mm-hmm. that with nonviolence. It puts you in an extremely vulnerable position. How's that impact your life? Is that something that is tough to deal with? Is it something you've just accepted? Or am I reading it wrong? Am I am I getting it wrong? No, I I, um,
1: I believe that the way that we live our lives is the way that respects everybody respects other people, respects that person who disagrees with us, respects all that um, kind of thing. Violence by its very nature is the opposite of love and respect, okay? All the, you know, many, many different violent things that go on. How do we live and how do we um, make our way through life do we make our way through life being violent and hating and you know doing all those kinds of things mm-hmm. or do we make our life through our way through life the other way as you know a person who loves understands tries to you know look at the best side of of everything for me nonviolence is that i'm not going to do violence to another person now could they do violence to me yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah you know pretty badly you know somebody asked me a question one time they said well what if what if your wife and your daughter were in a situation of you know of somebody you know beating on them or whatever what would you do well my first answer to that is to be totally and completely honest and i think anybody who who is involved in nonviolence they have to be honest about it is i don't know Mm. i don't know I hope this is what I would do. I hope what I would do in that situation is I would get put myself in between it so that I was the one, you know, sacrificing it and, and not having other people. But I I can try to live and I try to live in a world where there is where violence is not a part of who we are. But do I know? No, it goes with the same. Stuff that I've been talking about, which again, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the right faith, answers. and yeah. it's it's faith, and what faith is, is unknowing, and being okay. If with- I know something, it's not faith, because no. I know it. Yeah,
0: faith is unknowing and yet accepting. And again, that's the right answer. I can understand somebody <laughs> saying I don't like it. I can understand somebody exactly. wanting more. I want more. Yeah. but I understand <laughs> the point of it on the nonviolence piece of it um it, it starts to get on the on the edges it starts to get interesting and and i and i and i get why people do this sometimes and they gamify it more to be like let me see how i can create a scenario where i'm going to trap you into saying you have to be violent right. and i don't think that's useful right i think the spirit of what you're saying is you don't think anybody should ever have to do that like we don't have to create violence is ultimately what you're right. saying right it's right. not somebody could come back to that and say but that we're animals at our at our core right or or however you want to define something to like that's just that is the truth of the earth the violence is implicit right we talked about before there's evil there's pain there's suffering violence is part of how this whole thing works we can't understand God enough to know why but it's part of it why try and make pretend it's not and I, and I'm that's almost a funny thing to ask right because yeah. violence is horrible in in all the ways we know but in the yeah. spirit of that how do you how do you think about that I don't think I
1: pretend that it's not a part of us. You know, the very first, I mean, in, in the valve of nonviolence that I took, uh, the very first line is recognizing the violence in my own heart. Mm. And I think we need to recognize that that is a part of us. And that I think we need to recognize that that's not a way that we should be living. Um, and it's not people always jump immediately to, you know, okay, well, what if, what, what about the Ukraine where, you know, war is going on and, and all that kind of stuff? Well, it doesn't start there. That's, that's, that's the big picture thing where violence starts is how you treat me, how I treat you, um, you know, how I treat the guy going down the street, you know, how do I treat the, the, the person that comes up to me asking for money on the street you know, not. I'm not even talking about giving them money, but do yeah. I look at them and say, you're a human being just like I am. And we never do that. That's where we start. Mm. And then we begin to look at what is, is violent in our world. Can we live without the violence? And we can, mm. we can. Is it so, easy? No. Oh, no.
0: no. No, it's not easy. And do, do you... Do you entertain the possibility that, and I think you, I think maybe your answer is already, It we may never get rid of violence completely. There may be a time. Probably. Is it? Can we go as far to say that violence may be needed at times? Is it ever the right decision? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I can't uh, disagree with you. In the spirit uh, of, the con- no, 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 I, I don't I think. Don't so. So. Yeah,
1: it, it because. Uh, you know i i I don't see it as being the way to handle any kind of a situation at all all it does is make it worse if i if i walk by and smack you in the face Mm -hmm. you know what are you going to do you're going to smack me in the face Mm -hmm. or you're going to be so angry at me for doing that that you're going to go home and you're going to smack somebody else Mm -hmm. that's how it starts you know did i have to do that to begin with no i didn't And it starts with me. You know, I'm the only one that can be that can control whether I have a violent reaction or not. And I I only can control that.
0: Yeah. 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 And listen, I'll I'll say this as we're coming towards the end, Paul. And I and I say this as, as the greatest of compliments. Um, and it's an interesting insight too. You remind me so much of my wife. In in the way she views (laughs) the world and the way Mm -hmm. she believes, even down to the nonviolence piece of it, if I, as I have asked her about things like that, very similar responses, Um, trying to get to just the essence of what does it mean to be good in the world and do right and and bring love into the world. And that's like, she almost can't fathom why we wouldn't do that. And what's the interesting aspect of it is she is one of the firmest nonbelievers. And and if you asked her, she would say she's an atheist. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. I've we've had this jokingly somewhat conversation now where I'm like, I actually think you deeply believe in God. You just don't realize it yet. Because she has so much passion towards God. And a lot of her anger is in what we we're talking about before of like, why the bad stuff, though? Because it's so visceral for her that when they're suffering, she can't understand why God would do that. But in so many ways, I see the same mindset and the same thing. And I mean, mm-hmm. that is the greatest of compliments. Yeah. I mean, to have this type of conversation, to me, there's two magic pieces to it. One, it's somebody who's open and you know wants to discuss and is thoughtful and has been through this. And then two, it's somebody who is, I don't know, empathetic, kind at their core, because it allows you to explore things in such a pure way and learn from it. And that's mm-hmm. my hope for the show is that people get to hear our conversations sure. and do that. And I can't thank you enough yeah. for what you brought yeah. to this one. This was a fantastic mm-hmm. conversation. Thanks so much for having me. I was, it was fun to to explore some of those areas. I you. think so. I know everybody doesn't, but I do. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right.